that it's just wrong to play Christmas music before Thanksgiving. Anybody? Okay, that's what I thought, you know. Now, how many of you would say, I don't care, I love Christmas music all year round, I can listen to it anytime? Okay, the rest of you. Um, well, I love Christmas music um, a lot, but I, I'm of the personal opinion that you got to wait till after Thanksgiving because it just feels abnormal before that. But no matter where you are, I think we all agree we love Christmas music. You know what, I, you know what else I love about Christmas? I love um, a whole lot of Christmas movies. Do you love Christmas movies? I love them. I, am, I enjoy watching them this time of year. This past week, we threw a question up on Facebook asking all of you, um, which Christmas movies you like uh, around the holidays. And I found out a lot about you. You know what I found out? That we share similar taste in Christmas movies, like Home Alone, Elf, Christmas Story, It's a Wonderful Life. There, those were some that just kept coming up. A friend of mine posted Die Hard. And then he's like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And I thought, well... I guess that would be a Christmas movie, but anyway, I'll let you decide, decide that one at all. But we are in that season where all the Christmas music and all the movies and, and the, the movies that we just listed, probably minus Die Hard, will be played in my house over the holiday. In fact, two of them already have since Thanksgiving. Elf, we've watched as a family, and The Christmas Story. But you know, John Moore and I here a while back, we were doing a little brainstorming together. We were talking about Christmas season and what we were going to do as a church to, to celebrate and emphasize many of the truths that we want to, that just come up naturally, that we got to talk about um, around the holidays that we get to. And, and we were talking and brainstorming, throwing out ideas, and, 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 and we thought, you know what would be fun to do this year? It would be, it'd be fun to do something this year where we take all those Christmas movies that, that we just absolutely love and we use those movies to help us illustrate some truths and to bring forth some real issues that, that all of us deal with during the, 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 the holidays and, and the real season, the real reason for this season, which of course we know is to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what came from that, brain session, brain, that, uh, that brainstorming session was this series that I am so excited to be, begin this weekend, and we're simply calling it Christmas at the Movies. And I think what is going to be, the next few weeks are going to be very memorable. I think they're going to be fun. I think they're going to be engaging and challenging as we consider and as we celebrate all of the things the Lord has done for us, especially that which is represented with the birth, the birth of Christ. So we're going to take a look at some of these Christmas movies that we love. We're going to play some clips from these movies because these movies, even though they're fun, they do pull out for us some real life truths and things for us to think about. And we're going to help, let them help us illustrate some of these things. So would you pray with me? And, and let's just ask the Lord to help us as we start this series today, and this will carry us through till Christmas. Dear Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful that we get to be here tonight, that we get to come and sing praises to you, Lord, and our prayer and our hope would be that you have been praised tonight as we've sung these things to you, the audience of one. Lord, I pray now as we go to your word tonight and, and we look at, at what it says, would you teach us some things, Lord? Would you open our eyes? Lord, would you help us to see some things in a way perhaps we haven't seen them before? And Lord, as always, we pray, would you help us to leave here tonight a little bit more like you, a little bit more in love with you, walking closer with you than when we walked in here this evening. 
Lord, that's our prayer. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to make an assumption here, and the assumption is this, that many of you have seen the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. Is that a fair assumption? It's a movie starring Jimmy Stewart that came out in 1946, so 71 years ago. Consequently, has, was, did anybody see that in the theaters in 1946? Just checking. I don't know. I just want to make sure uh, because I was going to find a prize for you. I don't have a prize with me, but I was going to find a prize. 71 years ago, this movie came out, and, um, and it's one of those that you all indicate was one of your favorites. I know it certainly is one of mine. The movie is about a guy named George Bailey. He was a dearly loved family man from the community of Bedford Falls. And But however, in the movie, if you've seen it, many of us have, um, George Bailey hits some hard times, doesn't he? He hits a really rough patch in his life. And, and, and there's a scene in the movie where he is at his lowest, his darkest moment. It's like nothing could ever get any better. I mean, it's just bad, bad, bad. And he finds himself on this snow-covered bridge contemplating whether he should just end it all. He looks down at the icy water below of the river and he thinks, maybe I should just jump right in. But instead of jumping in to end his life, he ends up jumping in to save an angel named Clarence who jumps in the water to save George Bailey. And to show him, through the course of some pretty um, incredible events, how much of a wonderful life he actually has. There's this one line in the whole movie that stands out more than any other. And that's when Clarence, the angels, talks to George about the value of his life. Here, take a peek at this scene. time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? To save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, well, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Well, where do you come from? Heaven? I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. 
I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 Georgia. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody? AS2, what, what, what's that, AS2? Angel, second class. Cheerio, my good man. Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, I'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. You don't have to make all that fuss about it. Remember what he said? I wish I'd never been born. He'd he, he, he had this moment where he felt like that life would be better off for everyone in it if he had just never been born at all. You know, whether we know it or not, our lives, they impact so many people. In fact, the ripple effect of one's life is really, it's quite impossible to measure. But as we enter to this Christmas season, and as we just kind of start to get into this series and start to talk about the things that, that we want to talk about over the month of December, let me ask you this question. Have you ever stopped and considered this idea. What would this world be like if Jesus had never been born? Now, now what would this world be like if Mary and Joseph hadn't come together and, and been the parents of, of Jesus and he had been born and, and laid in that manger? All the, What would this world be, be like if God never sent his son to die on the cross for our sins? Well, you see, in the movie clip that we just watched, George Bailey, as you watch the movie, he realizes that the world is quite a different place without him in it. And that's not a good different. It was a very bad different. And I know for a fact that no life in this world has had more impact on this world than Jesus has. And just thinking back to what we've learned during um, our story series about God's upper plan and his, his plan to redeem the world and the role that Jesus played in God's plan, his upper story, we can quickly assess, just by thinking back to that series, that the world today would be a lot different had Jesus never been born. And I would say, like the movie, it's not a good different. It would be a very bad different. Did you have your Bibles with you this, this evening? Would you open them up to Isaiah chapter 9? That's where we're going to be today, Isaiah chapter 9. If you didn't bring a Bible with you and you'd like one, there's Bibles in the, the rows around you. There's two or three Bibles on the back of chairs in each row. And, of course, we'll have this, the Scriptures behind me. But while you're searching, let me tell you a little bit about Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah was a prophet, and he lived roughly about a thousand years before Jesus was born. And he, he prophesied in the book of Isaiah about the impact that the coming Messiah, which we would learn would be Jesus, would have on this world. 
He talks about that. Um, This passage that we're going to look at together, it is probably the most well-known Old Testament verse about the coming of the Messiah, these prophecies. These few verses that we're going to read together, they have found their way into some of our most popular Christmas carols. Um, These verses will be printed on thousands, if not millions, of Christmas cards. And it's this prophecy about what the world will be like when the Messiah comes and what he will do. It is definitely the the predominant prophecy about Jesus in the Old Testament. Have you found Isaiah chapter 9? If you have, please go ahead and look down at verse 6. This is a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now that is quite a description. Turn to your neighbor and say, now that is quite a description in Scripture. We say, tell the person, that is quite a description. It's a description of the coming king who will be what? He will be a wonderful counselor. A mighty God. This is the prophet Isaiah. He's acknowledging the fact, whether he knew it fully or not when he wrote it, that this would be God in the flesh. A mighty God. An everlasting Father and a Prince of Peace. Upholding what? Justice and righteousness forever. By just Isaiah's description of this one to come, we could deduce that this is going to be the greatest ruler, the greatest thing that ever happened in all the world. He has all the attributes that you'd want in a leader and uh, ultimately one who would give his life. But what if this coming Messiah that Isaiah described for us so beautifully in Isaiah chapter 9, what if he never came? What if it never took place? What would our world even be like? What would our personal lives be like? Well, it goes without saying that the world we live in would be a much different place if Christ hadn't come to dwell among us. Now, I want us to just take a look at what we've read in, in, in Isaiah chapter 9, and I want to talk about the, uh, this evening three areas of our lives, and you could even broaden that, say three areas of our world that would be drastically different had Christ never been born. Now, this is kind of an odd sermon for me to preach because I'm used to talking about what he did do, not hypotheticals about what would not have happened. So this is a little bit different look, a little bit different take, but I like it at times to do stuff like this because by looking at the flip side, what actually happened becomes clearer. And so that's what I'd like to do. I want to talk about these three areas under this premise. If Jesus had never been born, what would our world be like? The first one is this, if you're taking notes. If Jesus had never been born, we would be living in a world without peace. Now, just think about Isaiah chapter 9, what we just read. If Jesus had never been born, we'd be living in a world without peace. How is peace defined? Peace is defined as the absence of conflict. When there's an absence of conflict, there is peace. And so in in Isaiah 9, it tells us that this promised one to come would be the prince of peace. 
In other words, be the chief peace bringer. Be the one that, that brings about peace. He's the prince of peace. The one who would bring an end to the conflict. And boy, doesn't that sound nice. Because if you were to ask just about anybody today, do we live in a peace-filled world, the answer would be what? No. That would be the answer you'd get from just about everybody. Why would they say no? Why would we say no that we don't live in a peace-filled world? Because we are surrounded by conflict constantly. Conflict with friends or family. Anybody going through that right now around the holidays? Conflict with your neighbors. Conflict with coworkers or bosses. Conflict in our community. You're seeing things differently than other people in our community. Conflicts um, played out on social media. Conflicts within our government, quite a lot of that lately, conflict with other countries. So when, you know, in our world, we're surrounded by conflict, it almost seems like it's commonplace. When someone comes along promoting peace, that usually resonates with us. That does strike a chord with us when somebody really promotes peace. Our world has always been enamored with peacemakers. They, they always have. Um, we even give awards for it. Every year we give the Nobel Peace Prize to somebody or some organization. We do that because we want to recognize in our world those who are out there <coughs> working hard to promote the peace of the world. Let me just, I just quickly did a quick Google search and I wanted to see what were the last few Nobel Peace Prizes given? What, why were they given? What was the recognition? Last year, a man by the name of Juan Manuel Santos, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for his, according to what I read, his resolute efforts in bringing the country's more than 50-year-long civil war to an end. So we celebrate the peacemakers. The year before that, it was given to an organization for its decisive contributions to the building of a pluralistic democracy in Tunisia in the wake of the Jasmine Revolution in 2011. The year before that, it was given to several people in a joint award for their struggle against the suppression of children and young people and for the right of all children to education. The year before that, it was given to an organization for its extensive efforts to eliminate chemical weapons. The year before that, it was given to the European Union for its recognition of six decades uh, of advancement of peace by that organization and human rights. A year before that, it was given to several people for their nonviolent struggle for the safety of women and for women's rights to full participation in peace-building work. The year before that, it was given to a man from China for his long and nonviolent struggle for fundamental human rights in China. If you think about it, when you take this word peace, and if you really break it down, we've always in our world been searching for a way to make the world a more peaceful place. Would you agree with that? There's always been that sense among many people. And the question could be asked, aren't we now living in a time where peace is absent from the world? There's so much emphasis on it. But aren't we living in a time that seems like we're absent of peace? Seems like all we hear about are conflicts 
and wars. You cannot turn on the TV today without being confronted with it. My smartphone, I've got several notifications from news agencies, and it seems like uh, multiple times throughout the day it goes ding, 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 with real-to-update um, um, information about problems in our world. That's what it seems to alert me up. Conflicts all around us, it impacts every facet of our being, but I, I want to say this. God's peace is more than the mere absence of conflict. It's his very presence in your life. Now, our world's idea of peace and God's idea of peace are two different ideas completely. Can I say that one more time? Our world's idea of peace and God's idea of peace, they are two different ideas. If we were to go back to the scriptures when Isaiah was writing, um, and as well as Jesus' day for that matter, people were looking for political peace. We can kind of pick that up from the scriptures. There was unrest. But much as it was in their day, it is in our day too, there always seems to be like there's some kind of peace summit happening somewhere on the globe. And, and that type of peace, it's honorable. We can admire that. We would want that kind of peace. But the peace that God has in mind, when Isaiah said the Prince of Peace, the peace that, that is being promoted there and the peace that Jesus would bring, the kind of peace that God has in mind is the peace between himself and what he created, us. That's the kind of peace we're talking about here. It's, it's the peace between God and us. Now, I want to go back to our, our story series. We studied the whole Bible over the good part of this year. We learned um, throughout the whole thing that man himself is separated from God. Why? Because of our awful, sinful behavior. It broke that relationship, and it created this conflict that we had with God. And I'm telling you, whenever sin is present, there will be conflict with God. When sin is present, there is conflict with God. And Jesus came, the Prince of Peace. Why? To end this conflict, to bring that conflict to an end. That's why Isaiah said, the Prince of Peace, the one that will bring, that will end the conflict, the end the sin between God and man will come. And that is a lot different than the Nobel Peace Prize. That's a lot different than our world's idea of peace. This is God's idea of peace. Of peace, And it's true we live in a world that's got a lot of civil unrest, but it's always been that way from the very beginning when sin entered the world. I look at the civil unrest around the globe and I, I wonder to myself, will that ever come to an end? Civil peace, it's hard to obtain. It really is. But peace with God is obtainable. Peace with God is obtainable. And I've come to the conclusion, I think a lot of you would probably agree with this, that until there's peace with God, there's not going to be peace with man. Until there's peace with our, our Heavenly Father, until our sin is, is, is eradicated and, and, and we accept Christ, it's really going to have, have a hard time having civil peace in this world. Jesus Jesus is the answer. Do you guys like Phil Robinson from Duck Dynasty? You know who that is? You know, I don't see him much on, on TV anymore. 
but he has a lot of these short little web teaching. I don't know if you get them on your news feed, on your Facebook or whatever, but you can subscribe to his channel. Anyway, I've seen a lot of these, and, and he's a little unorthodox, isn't he? I mean, I, I read a story one time of his son went to this really nice hotel to do a TV commercial, and the manager walked up and assumed he was a homeless man and walked him right out the back door, and he was like, oh, I came to check in. Anyway, he, he's a little unorthodox, but I was listening to give this little short talk here a few weeks ago on, on video, and, and it's so simple, it makes so much sense. It's so plain, it's like, duh. He started to trace all the conflicts in the last hundred years. You know, all these massive conflicts. He starts talking about Stalin. And he goes, there's no Jesus there. And what do you get? And he said, let's talk about Hitler. There's no Jesus there. And what do you get? And he began to just start simply talking about these world conflicts. And he said, in the absence of Jesus, there is no peace. And that's true. There's no peace with God and there's no peace with with man. So had Jesus never been born, we would be living in a world where there would be no real peace with our Heavenly Father. And that is not a world I want to live in. Now, the second thing is, if you're taking notes, I thought, like, if Jesus had never been born, what would this world be like? Well, according to Isaiah 9, there would be a world with no joy. There would be a world with, with no joy. Not only no peace, but there would be no joy. And I would contend that real joy is a joy that comes from knowing Jesus. It's a great joy in my personal life, and I think some of you would echo this as well in your life. It is a real joy to know that Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with me. And the fact that he is concerned about my life. And that he's concerned about my comings and my goings and and my successes and my failures and my wants and my desires. He is interested in all of that. Do you realize that that we have a Savior who wants to know you that way? That he sees what's going on. He's interested in your life that way. He's interested in it all. The most important thing in all of our lives is our relationship with with God. And so I would just encourage you, as I try to do often, you need to have a regular time with the Lord where you pray and your, your Bible is open in front of you and you're talking with the Lord. I know it's, that's not always the easiest thing to do, and I even struggle with it in my, my own life at times to find those daily times to, to be with God. But I'll tell you, the deeper your walk with God gets, and it will get deeper through prayer and reading His Word, but the deeper your walk with God gets, the more aware you are of this, just how much God loves you. You. How much he absolutely adores you. And, and you'll learn more and it'll become more real in your life of just how far he went to rescue you. How much he loved you, wanted to spend eternity with you, and to have this conflict of sin come to an end, just how far he'd go for you. And I'll tell you, discovering how much that God loves you, well, that brings joy that you haven't experienced yet until you understand what God, how he feels about you. The German theologian Karl Barth is a name that some of you in here would be familiar with. Um, He was on a tour, speaking tour, in the United States one time. and, And Karl Barth, I mean, he was, in his day, he was considered one of the greatest theologians of his time. A deep thinker and, and, and just his writings have filled volumes after volumes of books. 
but he was asked a question. This great mind, this, this, this guy that would run circles around all of us with his knowledge of God's word. He was asked this question one time. Hey, Carl, what is the greatest truth you've ever discovered? And you know what he said? He thought about it and goes, hmm, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Joy comes from knowing just how much God loves you. And if you didn't know what he was quoting, he was quoting a nursery song that we teach to our children. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Take everything, that all the knowledge crammed into his head, it boils down to that. Joy comes from knowing just how much God loves you. Joy also comes from knowing just how much God cares for us. As we open up the Gospels this time of year, like Luke 2, and we read about how God guided and cared for Joseph and Mary as they traveled and they went from where he told them to go and do things they, they couldn't imagine as they, they were the earthly parents of Jesus. We see how he cares for them. Well, he cares for us in the same way. And, and when we read this, the birth narrative of Jesus and we see God's care, you understand that's how he cares for us too. He was there to provide for them. He is there to provide for us as well. He wants to provide for us. So I, I look at this, this joy that comes. I'm talking about a deeper joy than just happiness. A joy that comes from knowing how much God loves me. A joy that, that comes from knowing how much he, he cares for me. It's that kind of joy, I think, that led James to write in the New Testament that we need to consider it joy, pure joy, whenever we face trials of many kinds? How do you face hardships and trials? And no matter how daunting they are, well, you can face them with joy because beyond the trial, the hardship that's right in front of us, you know deep down just how much God loves you and just how much he cares for you and values your relationship with him. So if Jesus had never been born, we would be missing that kind of joy in this world. So we'd be missing peace with God. We'd be missing a sustaining joy that comes from a relationship with the Lord through Jesus. You know what else we'd be missing if Jesus never been born? We would be living in a world without salvation. We'd be living in a world void of salvation. I mean, I mean, you take just a world without peace and joy. That sounds like a pretty depressing world. It does to me anyway. But the worst effect, had Jesus never been born, would be, I mean, the worst part of it all would be there would be no salvation. If you look back at Isaiah chapter 9, would you go up a couple verses to verse 2? Okay, go up a couple verses to verse 2. It says this. It, it describes the world people are living in. The people walking in darkness. Okay, he's describing a darkness. People walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land, a deep darkness. That's what it would be like. He's talking about the coming of the Messiah, but it would be, if Jesus had never been born, it would be like us walking around in darkness. The light of Christ would not be available to us. It's like the person who would be walking around in the bright sunshine around noon and still be covered in darkness. That's what it would be like. 
a darkness that can only be removed through the redeeming power of Christ, which brings us back to why Jesus was even born in the first place. Why we even celebrate this time of year? Because 2,000 years ago, God came for us. The next part of verse 2 says this, a light has dawned. People walking in darkness, they've seen a great light. On those living in land of deep darkness, a light has come. That's what it was like. Darkness has been removed and the light of Christ has come. There's something available that wasn't before. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. So Jesus came to save the world by dying on the cross. And that light is most clearly seen through the forgiving act on the cross. You know, I have not seen this with my own eyes, but I have read about it. I have read that there is an unusual epitaph on a large headstone in a cemetery located just outside of New York City. And the name of the person who's laid to rest there is not engraved on the headstone. Um, There's no mention of who the person is or was, um, when they were born or when they died, there's, there, it does not indicate anything about the person. But, you know, it doesn't say beloved mother, um, wonderful father, wife, brother, sister, nothing like that. There's just one word etched into this headstone. And you know what that one word is? Forgiven all the way across. Clearly, the most significant fact of that individual's life was the peace he or she knew as a result of God's forgiveness. And you know, in this world that we live in, and especially it comes even more into focus during the holidays, the world needs many things. It needs food to feed the masses. Even right now, we're collecting food to help those who are underprivileged. There's medicine that's needed for sick people who are afflicted. There's peace for those who are hurting, you know, For many people, this is a joyful, peaceful time, but let's not kid ourselves. For many others, the holidays are a painful, lonely time. But most of all, in this world, we need the redeeming power of Christ. And if that message can ring clear during this holiday season, then we might just win some. So a world missing peace, a world missing joy, and a world missing salvation wouldn't be a world that I don't think any of us would want to be a part of. It would be a place without hope. But here's the great news. Are you ready for some good news? Here's the great news. And this is actually the reason for this entire season. Jesus did come. And that's the great news. We can, we can hypothetically think about what would be missing, but the good news is this. He did come. He came that we would have peace with God. Amen on that one. Aren't you glad you have peace with God today? He came so that we could live a joyful life. Even when our life throws us curveballs and hard things, we can still have this joy that doesn't go away. And most importantly, he did come so that we could be reconciled with God and have a relationship with him. So when you see the signs, 
and the Christmas cards and the Christmas tree goes up and the presents go under it and we're singing songs and we're eating the food and the family comes in and all of those things. Could you remember this? Because 2,000 years ago, God stepped out of heaven and he walked this earth with us. He started as a little baby and he grew into the redeemer of the world. We can have peace, joy, and salvation this season.